All right, so the show remembers that Alexander exists. Yeah, I'm really glad that they didn't actually put him in the episode. Like, they almost went out of their way to not show Alexander in this episode. Yeah. Which was very nice. I mean, that's not a problem. It's it's good. It's I a good way of they've... handling Alexander as just, like, somebody that, you know, Worf remembers is in his life but doesn't really actually interact with or I, talk to on a basis. I think they've realized that Brian Bonsall is a terrible actor and they're never going to use him again. I honestly don't remember if Alexander ever appears in the show again. And frankly, if he didn't, I would be fine with that. What is Brian Bonsall up to these days? I think being arrested. Okay. Yeah. He's like my, he's our, he's just a couple years younger than us. You know, he's probably 30-ish. Yeah. 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 No, I think he's in his 20s. But very late 20s, it would have to be. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So. So this. Parallels. I, you know, this was a really slow burn episode. But I really liked this one. This was... I didn't like it as much. Really? I uh, always remembered liking this one. And uh, it's just fine. I thought it was... You know, it's... In a lot of ways, it's not the most uh, groundbreaking of episode. We've seen episodes like this before. Maybe it doesn't give the deepest insight into Worf as a character. I think... I guess this is the kind of episode that I can see... Getting diminishing returns, like... Yeah. In other words, it's good to watch once. It's probably really good to watch a second time and maybe even the third time because there is so much going on, you know, and knowing where it's going, it will be very... It would be interesting to see. But after a while, you know, it is just kind of a couple of thought experiments of what if. I, I think that my problem with parallels is that it doesn't work well when you know what's happening. Yeah. And... You know, the episode is really predicated and built on making the audience feel as confused and disoriented as Worf. Yeah, well, the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes, like... And when you're not... Nothing really happens, but it's weird. When you're not as confused and disoriented as Worf, it's a lot less interesting. I can see... Yeah, like I said, that first 15 minutes is just what exactly is going on. You know, there's very tiny things, but... Yeah, I can see it being a good 15 minutes of just waiting for the episode to start. I think this is the best and worst of of Brian and Braga sort of, you know, in one episode. Because, you know, you had talked about, um, I think, maybe with Timescape uh, from from a few weeks ago. I'm not sure. Uh, But it was one, uh, you know, Brian and Braga episode where you said you were starting to understand you know, the sort of the implications of, of Brian and Bragg yeah. and sort of the diminishing returns of what an episode I, of his could be. You and know, I actually didn't notice if he wrote this episode or not. He but, did. But it was obvious because it's structured like with the set pieces, with the way that it, you know, it the angle that it takes the ca- But anyway. Well, and I think, you know, and I think that that's really the issue with the episode is that um, it, it's the best and worst of him. It, it's the best in that it is a high concept sort of, you know, trip through some sort of disorienting experience. But at the same time, it doesn't really have a lot to say about the characters. It's all very plot. I mean, his episodes are all about yeah. the plot. They are just plot mechanics. And that works well in a lot of in a lot of instances and i think that this episode really shows you where it could go really wrong because yeah. you know if you don't know these characters if you haven't spent the last six and a half years with them 
I don't know that you would really care about what's happening. I mean, this episode in particular, like, I'll give that a pass on this episode because this episode is very much a an episode for people who have been watching since the beginning. Sure, you know, sure. Um, the, the next episode as well this week in general, I, mean, I would say. The but, whole the whole Troy and Worf thing. I mean, we'll talk about that. You but. know, but we see several instances in this episode where that refer to major – again – you know, they said, well, after the spinal, you know, injury, you know, Troy and Worf got together. And, you know, you can see, you know, having seen that episode, that didn't turn into a romantic moment for them. But you can see how very easily it would have led to them getting closer, you know, when they talk about how, oh, we had, you know, Picard was killed by the Borg. Well, that's another big what if, you know, that's something that could have easily gone right. into And we get to see a little glimpse of what that would be. We get to see a little glimpse of... What if the what the world would have been if the Borg had won? You know, we get to see all of these, which is frightening. As oh hell. yeah, like I said, the fact that the closest thing this episode has to a villain is Riker from the Borg universe is is disturbing. But, yeah, um, you know, this episode I would say is not at all intended for you know somebody who just oh I'm going to watch Star Trek this week. Why the hell not? You know, this is this is someone who knows the big plot points, and I. Again, that's that's season seven has been so uneven, but when it's good, it's doing it for the fans in a way that is giving them something very different. So, you know, this is a very literal, even if this episode is just an excuse to say, you know, well, what's a what if, you know, if, you know, Troy and Worf apparently have this closeness to them that's, you know, very brotherly, sisterly almost in execution, but could have, you know, just as easily been romantic. Let's see that. Well, and Here's, at the end of the episode, it's implied that it may become romantic. You know, it's implied. Yeah, it's def. I really like that because it's worth saying. You know, this is worth exploring. There is a version where they did grow to be that close, and you know, from what we know about the way the show's treated parallel universes and different characters and all of that, Worf knows that he is somebody who you know came to love Troy and who Troy came to love. So he really owes himself that. I mean, I don't know if he owes himself well, I mean, that, you but know, I, think, I think he. I think he owes. I don't know because I think you know the the Troy Wharf thing is you know I'm not going to beat her. I don't the bush. think it, it have no. It be, it becomes a thing. It like, does. It does. Yeah, and they do date for a while huh. in the seventh season. Um, and and so I don't. I, I say that only because I don't think it's. I think it's kind of impossible to talk about this episode without knowing that because this was the start of that, and okay. it's never anything that becomes like a big deal. They don't get married or anything, but it's close enough to the end that yeah, I can see it, it just being a minor. It's close enough to the end that it's a minor sort of character beat, but at the same time, it does feel a little bit like a gimmick. I think, and you know, the fans were very mixed about the Worf Troy romance, and I'm definitely a fan that thinks that it was a little. It was a little misfire. It's, you know, I it feels like the sort of thing that a show ending its run and being a little tired is gonna do. And well, I just you know, I don't know if it works. I just I don't get I don't get why this would be a thing. I mean, I guess for me, what I do wanna say about this is that but this is a version where, you know, Worf and Troy in real life never did, you know, get together after the spinal incident and you know, even though, the, you know, I buy that the two of them are extremely close. He did, you know, giving her, making her, you know, Alexander's godmother is, you know, if, if that's a shorthand for a lot that the show hasn't necessarily earned, it's a shorthand that works. And, sure. you know, I can see them, again, this is a series that has always kind of found that 
you know, the colleague friendship is a stronger thing than a stronger bond almost than, you know, a romantic one. Again, this is a show which finally cemented that Riker and Troy are always going to feel platonically towards each other, but they are going to have an extreme closeness. Picard and Crusher, never going to get married, but they have a very strong bond for each other. And this is, you know, in a way, I think it's, you know, this episode is saying, well, you know, there is a universe where Worf and Troy did get together romantically. It's not this universe, but that doesn't mean that, you know... This may have been a bond that the two of them might just be a little too busy for or might ignore for no fault of their own. And I think the end of the episode, whether they get together or not, I think is still a nice moment that he's acknowledging her presence in his life. You know, Worf is not the kind of person who invites really anybody to dinner. And so I think this is kind of, I don't know, it's a nice moment even if it's just her, them having dinner as friends. I don't know. I mean, I guess I can see that. But you but know where it goes. I know where it goes. And it just, it, again, I mean, whatever you think about it in terms of on character level, I mean, sure, whatever. I mean, they could date. Why not? I mean, they're both pretty and, you know, they, they both like each other. All right, yeah. fine. You know, I don't think they're ever going to get married, but whatever. But but it does, again, it just feels like a gimmick from a show which is getting tired, where it's just like, we're going to do this now because we have, you know, 13 episodes left or whatever they have, and why not? We need something for these characters to do. Uh, but there's not enough time to really explore it in any way. There's not enough time to really make it feel like it's going to grow out of some sort of organic event. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, it's kind of meaningless. It's it, not like in, uh, you know, one of the movies is spent at their wedding and, you know... No. No, shit goes I, down. <laughs> they, they, yeah, exactly. And so it it feels very perfunctory in a sense. It feels like, well, here's two characters. Which okay, let's have them date. Why not? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It just feels weird to me. It's well, like it just feels like I don't know. Like if Data and Doctor Crusher started going out, like why? Why would that happen? Well, I mean, if they pick different names out of the hat, maybe it would have. <laughs> Riker and Jordy start dating. I mean, what? Like why? Like what is the reason for this? I don't know. It just well, they're both like, lonely and they're allowed. But to. The, but there's also like I mean, I guess on the one hand, you you know, you can kind of say, okay, well, yeah, there's a level to which you know, Worf has seen other parallel universes and seen that he's married to Troy in some universe, and so okay, maybe he, it's worth exploring this. But on the other hand, it's very sort of deterministic. On well, the other I hand, would be it's on sort it of saying like, well, we were married in one universe, so even though I don't feel that way about you, we should try it because why? Why? I don't know if you knew that, you know, somebody who you found slightly attractive would be willing to bone you. I, you wouldn't do it. I would. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I just I, I there's never been any indication they find each other attractive. It's the kind of thing where. It, 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 I don't know. I'm going to be very honest because, you know, it's well, I mean, I'll put it this way. When they say, oh, I'm, you know, we're married. It's almost. Well, it's not quite a funny moment, and it's not a shocking moment. It's a slightly surprising moment, like, and it's certainly a sign that things are really different. Yeah, you know, it, be, because, and, and I guess because the show never made it, you know, even though again, Worf wants to, you know, Worf trusts Troy with, you know, his child, you know, even though they do are very close, and he does feel comfortable around her again. The show has so gone with the concept of friends and colleagues that it seemed like this was just another version of that. So they have a platonic marriage? 
I mean, and they have platonic sex. Like what? What? No, 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 no. Like in not in the parallel universe. In real life, they've you know they've always pushed towards that platonic friendship, that very closeness, that you know colleagueness, and the fact that it was a romantic relationship in the parallel universe is a sign as to how different things are. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the parallel universes aren't as different as they could be. And, you know, again, there's only so far you can take this. I mean, everybody still needs to be on the ship for this yeah. to be, the you know, the next generation. Um, I mean, I think one of the interesting things about the episode is that, of course, you know, uh, Wesley Crusher is back and they don't comment on it at all. Yeah. He's just there. I do like the way the episode handles. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I, I knew that again. I knew that they would have to have a Wesley cameo and maybe there will be another one. But, you know, the way they handled that was was interesting again. And again, this is a very much a that's a fanny thing in a way because if you've just been if you just picked up in season five, you wouldn't know who Wesley was. I mean, you wouldn't. No. Yeah, and you, it's fine. I mean, they don't yeah. need to make a big deal about which it. is, but that but that's nice. Again, it comes off as a ah, you know. But I think that 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 on the one hand, though, you know, the parallel universes are, you know, I don't know. They're they're sort of again. This episode feels very ponderous when it's not exploding you know what i mean like it's just suddenly it's like blah blah blah. here we go here we go here's Worf again in another slightly different universe and then suddenly everything explodes and there's two hundred and eighty thousand enterprises and things are happening and it's like i guess like what you know it's again maybe this isn't this is an episode that does i i think the what you originally said this is an episode that doesn't hold up to another watch Makes sense because, again, for a first-time watcher, you know, all of those were – if this was a gimmick episode, it was a gimmick episode I thought was cool. You know, that shot of all the thousands of Enterprise and, you know, Data's like, we have 297,000 hails, you know, right? Like, those were cool moments, you know? If if it's a set piece that, you know, after a while loses its luster, well – I don't know, though, because, I mean, I feel like – you know, I have not felt that way about other Brian Bragg episodes. I mean, cause and effect, for instance, yeah. I really like, and I always. But I mean, really this—I like wouldn't episode. say this is my best, the best of his episodes. Well, no, I would not. This say is not schisms, you know. But right, but what I, yeah, but what I'm, I'm saying is that there are certain, I, I, you know, trying to identify exactly why this episode doesn't yeah. work on a rewatch, as opposed to cause and effect or schisms or a lot of other Brandon Bragg episodes that do work on a rewatch. I'm not sure why that is. I mean, it may just be that. You know, the actual structure of the episode is dependent so much on not knowing what's going on that when you know what's going on, it's not interesting. Whereas cause and effect is interesting just on a plot mechanic level, just seeing how this is working and seeing how things are going to resolve themselves and seeing how this is repeating itself over and over again. You know, the the differences in the parallel universes are you know, different enough or, or subtle enough that it's interesting to try and identify them. But once you do, there's really not much else to do with the episode. You know, I've probably seen this episode, I don't know, half a dozen times or so. And yeah, okay, I know, oh, you know, Data's eyes are blue and one thing and then, you know, stuff like that. But on the whole, I don't know, you know, the little table thing and engineering is gone in one of the universes. It's like, oh, you notice things like that. I mean, I found myself sort of watching that kind of stuff as opposed to watching what exactly was going on because, of course, I knew what was going on. Um, You probably didn't pick up on that stuff. I did not. So, 
that I guess is really where I'm coming from with this episode is that it just doesn't have anything that really stands up to, you know, half a dozen repeated viewings. Well, then I guess we won't watch it a half a dozen repeated times. But I mean, is that really a valid criticism? I don't know. I don't know because I mean, again, you also keep in mind the airing circumstances of this. You wouldn't see this a half dozen times easily. You know, you, you, I could spend the rest of the day and watch it a half dozen times, you know, with no problem. You know, in 1993, you couldn't really do that. You know, you would see it when it would air and maybe if it reran. Well, I mean, they had VCRs. But, you know. I mean, people did record things. Yeah, I know they did. I used to record things. But, but at the same time, television was not really being cons- – But th- that was more just, oh, I can't make the time, you know. It, 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 the – you know, television was not constructed as it is today where they're going to assume that a lot of the audience will see this, you know. If they were to write this episode today, they'd say, okay, well, we're going to have hardcore trackies who are going to, you know, DVR this and that's all they'll they'll be watching it for and discussing it on the internet, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, picking apart the minutia, there would be so much more of the little tiny differences, you know, for people to notice, you know, but... And, and you know, the thing is, though, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that the episode is not well-constructed. No. It, it certainly is, and it's certainly... There are some nice, subtle things that they're able to do to sort of, you know, get across the idea, if you pick up on them, that something is wrong here, you know, and, and you know, stuff like the, the, the different paintings and, you know, the party. I mean, you know, uh, to, to, to some degree... You know, how things, you know, shake out in the early part of the episode where Worf is traveling in between different parallel universes that are only slightly different. Yeah, it's just the kind of cake, you know. Yeah, it's the kind of cake. And doesn't that cake look awesome? Oh, it really did. It looked delicious. But, you know, and and sort of it escalates to the point where the universe he ends up in is one in which Picard was killed by the Borg and Wesley is on the ship again. And he and he and Troy are married. And so, like, you can kind of see, like, in yeah. a sense, kind of the it's more like a I don't know. It's more like it feels more like a sketch. Like, it feels like an outline of of what the what the show would be like if these things had happened. Yeah. And I kind of wish that they would have gone a bit further Deeper, into yeah. what exactly the 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 people were like, you know, because. They didn't seem that different. And I think that, you know, Riker would be different if he was captain of the Enterprise for three years. You know, uh, Worf would be different if he was uh, a first officer. And nobody reacts to him in a different fashion, really. And I think that's kind of where the episode is falling down a little bit. It just, you know, they, they go for the visual cues more than they go for the interpersonal cues. And I wish they would have gone for the interpersonal cues more. Okay. And I guess the other thing about the episode is they killed Jordy and it just kind of feels like a gimmick. Uh, well, you know that they're not. You know that the second you hear Parallel Universe and someone died, that it's just going to be there for about three minutes. No, you know? I know. I know Jordy's so not I, I really going to be dead. I, I, I guess I didn't. Um, I kind of respected that they didn't bother pretending that it was really happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I know. Like, 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 it, I, I guess, like, yeah, I guess they kind of felt like even Worf knows, like, oh, well, this isn't real. I'll figure it out later. You know, we'll get into a universe where he's alive, and that's how the episode's gonna, you know, you know that from the second. So if they, I, I 
feel like it would have been insulting if they'd made this big deal about, oh, no, well, Jordy's really dead. And how are we ever going to get Jordy back? And this is never again. Jordy's dead. Well, no, but I don't think it needs to be about Jordy getting back. But I think, like, you know, the reality is that we know that Jordy is not really going to be dead because this is a parallel universe. But the characters don't know that. And so, like, everyone mm. just seems very perfunctorily like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Jordy's dead. Let's let's. It's almost like let's loot his corpse for his visor and figure out what's going on. Like I don't know, it just feels very strange to me. I guess it's almost like the characters all know that Worf is from the Prime Universe and that they're an offshoot universe that didn't really happen. Yeah, like it just feels like all the characters know they're on a TV show. I don't know, and that's kind of maybe what my problem with the episode is, where it just feels very much like everyone is aware that they're on a TV show. And so nothing really matters because, well, it's a TV show. So let's just have fun with this. I don't know. I, it, it's weird. I, I don't I don't I, I, I find myself disliking this episode more than I like it. And I certainly don't dislike it. I think it's fine. And I had fun watching it. And I certainly wasn't bored or anything. But I don't know. It just. The the, the 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 parts don't you know it doesn't add up to the sum of it more than the sum of its parts basically is my problem with it I think and again I've said this before but I don't think that's a good uh, uh, recommendation for Star Trek Voyager like you know <laughs> Brian and Braga has problems that are papered over by uh, people that have a, a better grasp of possibly what Star Trek is and. You know, it, 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 it's going to be rough I'm later on. I'm really looking forward to Voyager. You probably shouldn't be. But, you know, I'll give this one a f- five parallel universes. I gave it seven cakes. Okay. Uh, well, let's move on to the Pegasus. Which has another lost character in it. Yeah. John Locke. John Locke. He's there. And you couldn't tell him what to do. No, you couldn't. <laughs> another crazy admiral. Um, this I think this one is pretty good. a really good. good one. I liked it. I like this one a lot. You know, again, it's an episode which is predicated on uh, uh, revealing some pretty serious knowledge about a character that has never really been revealed before. And I don't know that they completely sell it. uh, But But I think they kind of do, actually. does This actually makes Riker make a little more sense in that he had a bad captain at one point, and he spent all of his time, you know, remorsefully that remorseful that he followed this captain Picard is you know at this point the 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 king of all the captains he's the best captain he's a man of very strong integrity and you get this kind of makes sense to why why Riker stays as as the first officer because you know now that he's found somebody who's worth giving his loyalty to he really doesn't want to you know, leave that in, in in a way, almost serving somebody who's worth it is a way of atoning for the time he was, you know, very career minded and naive and, you know, foolish in a way. I, I mean, that's how I read the episode. I don't know. I have to think about that because I think that, you know, the episode is constructed as a mystery and and we don't know what's going on right and and that's very deliberate because Riker is holding back information from Picard that's something that we've never really seen Riker do before and and so that scene when he's in Picard's room and just Picard is just 
saying, you know, well, you know, I'm going to have to reconsider. Like, that's a terrifying. I mean, Picard is disappointed in him. And Picard is is basically saying that. uh, Yeah. You know, Picard is almost saying that he doesn't trust Riker. Picard is furious at his lack. He has the fact that he can't trust. Like, that's some of the one of the tensest scenes in the series. And and really, the episode is about Riker's decision making process. Yeah. You know, about I mean, they don't make it explicit, which is why I like it so much. You know, this is a Ron Moore episode. So, of course, it's going to be very sort of. you know, in a morally gray area for a lot of it. But, you know, and, and this, I think, pushes that sort of thing as far as Star Trek The Next Generation could really go. Uh, but what is interesting to me about it is, you know, we've never really seen Riker be bossed around. And I guess to a degree... I'm not sure that I buy that this version of Riker would keep a secret like that. I I don't know. I I feel like Riker didn't really do anything wrong in a sense. I mean, I don't, you know, it, it, he did something which was, uh, like letter of the law, the right thing. You're not supposed to mutiny against your captain. Like mutiny is a very bad thing. Right. Um, and you get the sense that, you know, at this tribunal happened, the, you know, John Locke had everything buried and, you know, Riker got a better position. You know, he kind of as a reward for playing the game. Right. You know, kind of fast tracked his career a little bit. And in a way he spent all of his time just kind of, head down and working and trying to do the actual morally right thing for the rest of his time. And again, to expiate this from his soul. And maybe it's just been so long that he's, you know, kind of convinced himself that everything's done. In other words, it's destroyed. I'm never going to see this guy again. And, you know, I can't regret the past. You know, I can't change what I did, but I can know that, you know, Again, give my loyalty to people who deserve it. Well, again, I guess in a sense, this is kind of Riker's tapestry because, yeah. you know, what what this really is, you know, is Riker looking back on a moment in his life and realizing that he made the wrong decision. And, you know, it's not quite tapestry, of course, because he can't go back and change yeah. it. But what, what this and, episode... you know, no matter what, he would make that right, you know, a different decision, you know, even knowing that he would have gotten killed, you know, Riker very much says, like, I would have. Well, right. He says explicitly in the episode that he would make a different decision at this point, you know, and and so, yeah, I think it's interesting that the episode is is portraying, you know, Ensign Riker seven months out of the Academy as being someone who was, uh, you know, able to be led around, uh, you know, by his tunic in a sense. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, the the implication is that Riker did not have a well-developed sense of morality at this point. No, as he says, you know, he was coming off a star. I mean, remember the episode with uh Wesley and you know when the when he was you know being court you know the, the episode the first duty yeah the first duty yeah um i mean Riker was probably like you know probably Riker was one of those guys you know he was full of himself he thought you know what he was doing was right you know uh, you assume that John Locke as a younger captain was also very you know, flashy and, you know, probably had a very good quick career too, was, he was very charismatic when he was younger. So, you know, Riker may, you know, just have seen this guy as a, you know, as a charismatic ship captain hero, and that's who he wants to be. And so he's going to follow him around, you know, like a puppy. And then after this, you know, this lesson is his first 
touch with reality, really. I think so. But I think, yeah. you know, there's there's a couple things here, though, which, which you know, uh, you know, we have to talk about the cloaking device. We have to talk about the treaty. I mean, yeah. you know, the mutiny, I think, is a problem because I'm not really sure where it's coming from. Uh, I may have missed something that's possible, but, you know, it doesn't seem very well defined for me. You know, the 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 through line for the episode is that uh, uh, Captain Pressman was was testing uh, a Federation cloaking device in violation of the Treaty of Algernon, which, uh, you know, was established in this episode. It's the treaty which says that the Federation cannot use cloaking technology. Okay, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But it seems like Captain Pressman was not telling everybody that he was doing this. And so, well, you, you, I mean, you very much get the sense he was the kind of captain who was a, because I said so captain. And yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't get the sense that, that Pressman was the kind of captain where anybody really had a whole lot of respect for him. Yeah. Uh, And so he, you know, he probably said, Oh, we're going to this quadrant. We're testing out this thing. I mean, you can I get the sense it was almost the kind of thing where, like, only a couple people on the ship really knew what was going on. Felt very uncomfortable. Probably even just the only people on the bridge. Yeah, and maybe a couple people in engineering, you know, felt uncomfortable about it, you know. Eventually started getting word to the crew, this is what we're doing, you know. More and people got, more and more people got uncomfortable with it. And finally, he's trying this, you know, test that's not, you know, maybe even dangerous for them. And... That's when they finally said, you know, enough's enough. We're not, you know, doing this device anymore, you know. I mean, that's weird to me because I almost got a completely different, you know, read on that, which is a problem, I think, for the episode. Because it it seemed to me that uh, uh, the mutiny, as it were, was was after the ship had already been, been, been damaged. And, you know, only a handful of people on the bridge are really involved in the mutiny. And so Pressman and Riker got away because they, they ran from the mutineers in a sense. Yeah. And then the ship exploded or they thought it exploded. You know, that was more of the sense I got. It didn't seem like the mutiny was this sort of shipwide thing where people were, you know, conspiring for days and planning it. It just seemed like it happened on the bridge. Uh, I don't know. I mean, or, you know, maybe I mean, they also talk about how the fact that it was, you know, stuff was going wrong. Maybe they. You know, we're forcing him to explain. Maybe he was, you know, insisting on turning this device on when they finally realized what it was. Somebody said, you know, no, I'm not doing that, you know. But I, I think it's a problem for the episode. Yeah, we no, you're we right. Don't, we don't have a good sense of what exactly happened. That is true. We, we It should have – there could have been a – it seemed like there wasn't a scene where, you know, Riker does explain kind of what was going on, but there was no scene where he said, well, first this happened and then this happened and this this happened and then we ended up on an escape pod. Like we can't – you're right. You and I have very different interpretations of what the mutiny is and, yeah, and I mean, in I, a way which doesn't make it ambiguous. It makes it vague. It makes it vague and it makes it a problem because it makes the the – uh, uh, the entire point of the episode kind of lost and kind of muddled. You know, I mean, I want to make this clear. I mean, I don't think it's a problem that we don't know exactly what happened with the mutiny, at least yeah. at first. Uh, but I think that there should have probably been a scene where Riker laid it out for everybody, or at least laid it out for Picard. And there wasn't that scene. You know, uh, that scene in Riker, the scene in, in, in Picard's quarters where uh, Picard is eating his wonderful sushi and, and reading about the, the mutiny, and the report is very vague, and the report is vague, I think, for a reason. Yeah. And that's fine. That's appropriate at that point in the episode because we still don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you get the sense that even the thing that he had to pull strings for days for is this, like, half you know, true summary of things, you know, which just shows how 
far this has been buried. Right, exactly. And so I have no problem with that. Yeah. And then, of course— But, some, but, but Riker knows what happened. And... At a certain point, Riker should have sat Picard down and told him exactly what happened and, by extension, told us what happened. And we don't know. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of a cheat on the episode's part, and it makes it a bit less effective than it otherwise mm. could have been, I think. Yeah, I can see that. But what do you make about Pressman, though? Because on the one hand, you could say that he's just, you know, a, a generalized crazy admiral again. Uh, well, he's another extremist in the the episode with Brian's old captain. You know, he he's an extremist. Wounded, in, yeah. Yeah, he's an extremist in that mold in which he... Uh, I think that the admiral's point that, you know, saying the Federation can't develop cloaking technology is a bad idea. Like... He does kind of have a point in that it's something it, it, it's a major breakthrough in technology. Both of you know what this device does that it can cloak and phase through objects. I mean that would be invaluable to the Federation. And his point is you know because you know this treaty is giving giving the Romulans so much more much more power than they should have and it's hurting the federation and we should be on equal equal fronts with this right. or you know we should be. Those are not points that are inappropriate to make, and uh, um, well, you I know, think you it, can see him, you know, willing to break rules, and you know, he he is a he is an ends justifies the means guy. Which yeah, is, and I think that it's interesting because I think that there is sign of a, a a through line in the next generation, which is there are people like that in Starfleet yeah. Command, right? And so there's <laughs> a lot of them, maybe I don't know. Again, you you and, you. you it's been clear that there are some captains who are a bit more towards the military end of things, and while Picard is more towards the scientific and diplomatic end of things, I mean, this admiral is very much a military admiral. Well, I think it's more than that, though, because I think that, that Picard Picard may agree with him, actually. I'm just going to well, throw that idea out there. We, we yeah. don't know. I mean, maybe Picard would like to have a cloaking device. I'm going to be— But, well, but, the, issue, but, the, but the, the, the thing is really that Picard— feels that his personal wants or 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 or, mm-hmm. or not wants are not important because he is someone who believes in the rule of law who believes in diplomacy who believes in being upfront with people and so whether or not he wants these certain things or not is not really the issue because yeah frankly well, he has been he has been put into a position where he needs to uphold the the, the treaty and he is going to do that well, that's another very direct parallel to the wounded because, as it turned out, the renegade captain was right. The Cardassians were planning something, you yeah, know, and yeah. Picard, you know, is fairly sure and all but gets confirmation of that at the end. And yet, that's not his, you know, in a way that's kind of cheating. In a way, uh, he, because you know, the point isn't you know to show who is right or wrong in this; it's to keep the treaty what's important is the peace and if both sides need to lie a little bit in order to keep the peace that's okay because the peace is more important than that yeah and of course that's made that's made very explicit in the through line with the romulan who keeps yeah. hailing them you know? yeah I, and i loved that romulan <laughs> no it's great and i think that that's when the romulans are at their most effective on the show is when they're just kind of there to to, to sort of you know poke the bear in a sense i was gonna say I this mean, wasn't a romulans planning a tricky plot but it had a cool romulan in it <laughs> you know picard knows that the romulan you know picard knows why the romulan is there the romulan, the romulan knows, knows picard. why picard is there yeah they but 
they both know that they can't say it and they both know that they need to to you know pr- project the appearance that that they're both just there to do what they're doing yeah and uh, you know it's on the one sen- on the one hand you could say it's a little too on the nose but i i do like it and i think that it makes you know it 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 kind of sells the idea that these are two uh, uh, empires or whatever that uh, would be at war if it weren't for the treaty. Yeah. You know, it does make it very explicit that the treaty was probably necessary, mm-hmm. and the, the, you know, and it still is necessary to a degree. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, I don't think that the Federation having cloaking technology, uh, you know, in a perfect universe where the Romulans, you know, were at peace for reasons that had nothing to do with the treaty, and the Romulans actually believed the Federation and just sort of, you know, uh, uh, were very, you know, sober and upright and moral. Um, the Federation having cloaking technology would be yeah. fine, but it's not fine because that is not the universe that the Romulans inhabit. But, you know, I found that a little almost problematic at the end because, you know, Picard does use the. T- I mean, he does use the cloaking technology. He, well, in he order has to, to, though. I mean, but 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 the, that kind of, and I, you know, the fact that he owns up to it immediately after doesn't change the fact that, I mean, they have the cloaking technology five minutes and they're they're using it, they're abusing it. Like this is this thing can't exist because you know, you know it can't be used responsibly. It is too powerful. Of a, well, I mean, I don't I don't know I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I don't think that there's any problem with using it you know i well the, the only it's deal, against the check it's 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 illegal that that's, right well that's but that's the problem is that the only reason it's not in use is because of the treaty and so yeah. you know picard makes a decision to use it because there is no other option what other option is there you know the only other option is for for them to be taken captured to be taken prisoner by the yeah, exactly you know and that's not an option but in a way, then that's saying you can break the treaty when it's convenient. It, let's take this from the Romulan perspective. The Romulans have, you know, have a very strong suspicion. No, that the Federation has broken the treaty. They have evidence that the treaty has been broken. They've captured it, and like for, from the Romulan perspective, the Federation is in is dead in the is dead wrong on this. Well, yes, I think so. But at the same time, don't forget that the Romulans put the the, the Enterprise in this position, you know, because they, they sealed the Enterprise in. Uh, in order to get evidence of the Federation's wrongdoings. But I think that, you know, there's a degree to which when you put someone in a position to break the law, uh, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like really that analogy. I mean, I think, like, but, I, but, and again, this is a... It gets very gray, and I think it's a, a richer and more interesting episode for the fact that Picard has to make has to in a way break his break the law in order to keep the law. Yeah, but I guess you know for me it's like okay if I if I think that you have illegally made a key to my office and I lock you inside to find out if you actually have a key to the office or not. And then when you unlock the door, I'm standing there and I go, aha, you have a key. It's like, well, I still locked you in. That's not really a good way to go about things. So for me, it, it's kind of a wash. You know, I don't think that the Romulans are, are their hands are not clean here. You know, the Romulans are obviously doing things that are breaking yeah. the treaty as well oh, all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. They're in Federation space. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that. They're not supposed to be there. So, 
you know, what exactly is going on here? I think that that they all know what's up. And I don't think that the Romulans care that much if the Federation has cloaking technology, frankly. No, no, it's not. I mean, frankly, in a lot of ways, while they would definitely want to study this cloaking device and, you know, would get some knowledge out of it, um, I think the value is more the fact that the Romulans now have a point. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, they, 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 they're doing this not to, you know, in other words, you know, while they, they have the pretext of, well, this is 12 years, you know, ahead, if it was ahead of its time, you know, and they'll get some very, you know, they'll get some technological insight from this, but it's more just to show that, get catch the Federation with their pants down. Yeah. Yes. But what, what the episode I think is really trying to say is, you know, you the 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 upright and sort of morally sober position is the correct one because if if, if the admirals and Starfleet or whoever you know Captain Pressman you know years ago yeah. had not made a decision to uh, create this sort of you know cloaking phasing uh, technology and and have it. Uh, uh, exist and have it be some sort of accident and have it be in existence, you know, this would not have been a problem at all. And so, you know, the Romulans kind of sniffing around and trying to find the Pegasus, uh, that, that was sort of the impetus for the episode, but it wasn't yeah. the impetus for what exactly happened. And so if you try and break the law to get a sort of a, or break a treaty to get a sort of advantage, there are unintended consequences down the line that have, uh, you know, a lot to do with how you resolve things. Um, you know, you could certainly say that if another ship had been sent to find the Pegasus, this episode would have been very different. Oh, yeah. You know, and so there's there's a degree to which I think that you have to look at it as a, a, a spectrum and not as an individual discrete episode. Yeah, which is fair. Again, it, it the episode gets very gray in this. And is it, wor- you know, the, the big question of this, is it worth keeping a certain appearance when that appearance hurts your safety. I mean, that that's what that's really what Pressman is uh is dealing with. I mean, he comes up with the answer of no, Picard says yes. Picard think but it, but but again, that's the two of them come to security from different places because you know, Pressman is very much believes that having superior technology, having the bigger gun is what keeps you safe and Picard views that the rule of law and the adherence to law and the adherence to morality in the face of temptation is what keeps you safe and keeps you moral. And not only that, but I think Picard also believes that, you know, and I think the show believes it as well, that, that yeah. diplomacy is a better weapon than than, than phasers. Certainly. And uh I, I mean this is a this is a show which a few weeks ago literally had a weapon which was defeated by you having love in your heart. So I mean you know, the the show doesn't think that John Locke is right in this episode. It it knows it's wrong, but it allows him to have a few points. No, I think so, and I think that's why the episode is so effective. I think the you know, the while we don't know what the circumstances of the treaty were, well obviously the Romulans, you know, insisted on that particular, you know, moment. You know, I think the show agrees that that probably wasn't the best, you know, thing to do. Whoever wrote that treaty made a mistake there, but Picard's point is we can't just 
it's not up to us to decide that we have to just enforce it in a way. Yeah, and I think you know that yeah that that's true. And I think that if you take it outside and you look at sort of the 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 um you know the actual production history of the franchise, like you know Ron Moore did say as much that he wanted to give some reason for why the Federation didn't have cloaking technology yeah. because people kept asking him at conventions. You know? Yeah, and, and, and so, you, you can de- you can definitely see a bit of that. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's a fine explanation. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, and this episode goes into what the implications of that mean, you know, which I think is more interesting. And I guess, at, you know, the end of the episode, we're left with Admiral Preston or Pressman being, Whatever being his name arrested is. And, and sort of being sent back to, to a star base for, for court martial. Um, and of course, he gets the, the great line that all villains have. Uh, I have a lot of friends in high places. You shouldn't do this, you know. Uh, and, and the implication, of course, is that, that, that Picard doesn't care you well, know guard has a few friends in high places too yeah very true and i think that what we are supposed to i think take away from that even though the episode doesn't explicitly say it which i think is is in the episode's favor is that you know pressman will be punished because the federation is not an organization and starfleet is not an organization that is going to allow this sort of thing to go unchecked yeah and you know but at the same time i think it's interesting that Riker's involvement in this, you know, because Riker doesn't really have much involvement in this. I mean, in a sense, yeah, he kind of covered up a mutiny and he kind of covered up, you know, using a a technology which is forbidden by treaty. But, you know, his his role here is is de minimis because, of course, he was an ensign who was seven months out of the academy. You know, and I think Picard even kind of, you know, says as much at the end of the episode when he kind of goes into the brig and lets him out because he's kind of like, yeah, they'll they'll you'll have to answer some questions. Well, that's You know, you get the sense that, you know, if put it this way, if, you know, Riker is Riker's career is going to it's this isn't going to end his career. No, there is no way in hell that Picard will let this end his career or, you know, be a problem. Um, You get the sense it might slow down his career a little bit, which he obviously doesn't care about at this point. And is Frank- I mean, I think Starfleet Command has given up yeah. know, offering him ships. That's it. This this is just like the all right. You really just you're you're a first mate for the rest of your career. Like at some point, you'll teach at Starfleet Academy, but you won't be a full professor. Like that right. that you know that that that's what's going to happen. But and it, it'll- well, and I don't think you know, and I don't think you know. Frankly, I don't, I don't discount the possibility that he will eventually. Yeah, you know, but but, but his you know Riker's career was fast tracked, and in this episode, it's implied that because he played long you know he got you know some of pressman's you know high-placed friends helped him out right um you know certainly pressman was grateful for him showing his loyalty and rewarded them in kind in yeah. kind yeah um this in a way is stalling his career and paying his dues now delayed yeah 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 i think so uh, I guess the final thing to talk about before we wrap this episode up is, of course... Captain Picard Day? Yeah. I like that Captain Picard Day involves all of the children having a competition to make the best doll. And Picard has to pick the best doll out of that. Like, that's just mean. <laughs> it's very strange. I mean, it's a nice little... It it. I don't know. The, the, the show is... The sh- I like that the show is... 
trying to do slightly different, nice little lighthearted moments. Yeah. I don't think that Captain Picard Day is something the show would have done in season four or season No, three and it's something six. I'm very glad that they haven't shown us every single year. But, I mean, it's this very quick scene and it's a very funny scene, you know, and, you know, I like that the punchline is we're going to have a, you know, Commander Riker Day, you know, and. It all works out fine. I like when Riker and Picard, like, tease each other. Yeah. Because it's very subtly how they do that. But it's always very funny and it's very affectionate. And it, you know, again, this episode is about the Riker-Picard bond and... Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, to to be more serious about it for a minute, of course, the Captain Picard's, you know, the Captain Picard Day stuff does set up... Uh, uh, how close they are and exactly why yeah. it's so shocking that their relationship has been become so strained later on in the episode. Yeah. You know, that that scene in... They almost Captain break Picard, up. Right. Like that scene in Captain Picard's quarters where Captain Picard is essentially saying, I don't trust you anymore. Yeah. It, it, you know, is all the more shocking by putting by by being put in context with with you know Riker, you know, fr, you know, trying sort of to steal a doll of his friend, yeah, yeah. Like, lightheartedly making fun of Captain Picard earlier in the episode. You know, they they have a very nice relationship that is threatened by this, and I think that's you know to the episode's credit, it, it is a good way to show exactly uh, why this is so serious. And not the, not just for the Federation, but but for their relationship. And I mean, let's also put it this way, you know, it's not like, you know, Pressman and Riker would have ever had that relationship. You no, know, I don't they, think they, so. they, you know, I, I love I love that they get even the callback to the very first episode when Picard says, you know, the reason that I had him on my ship is because he disobeyed the order to and wouldn't let the, you know, captain leave the ship, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. I just it, it's a. This episode I thought did a very good job at answering kind of the last lingering half questions we had about Riker and just solidifying him. This yeah, is an I, episode I, I, which understands Riker very much and doesn't in, in any way contradict what we've seen of him. Yeah, I think so, and I, I you know that makes me think that you know we're we're not really sure. I mean, we're sort of at the halfway point of the season now, and you know, what, what the episodes that are coming up are going to be about. I have a better sense than you, of course, but I think that you can kind of feel like each episode as it's going through each of the characters, you know, could work as sort of the final statement on them. And I yeah. think that, that it's nice that the show is trying to make that attempt to do it. And, you know, will we get another Riker episode this season? I don't know, but it, it, it if we don't get one, I don't feel like I'm being cheated out of something. I would like to see one with his dad and him and Thomas, and they have dinner together. Yeah, that that would be nice, but it doesn't happen. I'm sorry. I will give the Pegasus nine cloaking devices. Okay, I think nine is a good number. All right. Well, uh, if you would like to share your thoughts about either of these episodes, please do so in the post at trekaboutshow.com. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash trekaboutshow. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekaboutshow. And... Of course, as always, leave us a positive iTunes review, five stars only. Uh, Write a long rambling thing about like everything you like about the show. Like, you know, the the more incoherent, the better. Absolutely. (laughs) Next week, we are talking about Homeward and Sub Rosa.